Oh. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Chilly this morning. Four degrees outside, four degrees Celsius, that is. Which is uh, probably hovering around 40, which is a little warmer than it has been. Uh, <clears throat> but it's supposed to get snowy tomorrow um, in the Tokyo area, so I bet we'll have some cold coming up our way as well. But not supposed to get any snow. We shall see. Yeah, so it is, uh, what is the date today? February something. It's gotta be February the 8th, I think. Let me see, February 9th. So we're about five days from Valentine's Day. Uh, yeah, life's rolling on. I've got uh, most all of my university uh, work behind me for the uh, semester, which means I got a couple months ahead of me of uh, no classes. Oh, I got to order textbooks. I got to remember that. <coughs> I got a few busy work things I got to do. I still got to enter the grades. The grades are all figured. I was going to enter them yesterday, but the uh, website was down, so I'm going to get my grades in, and yeah, getting ready to, to figure out uh, the rest of my uh, spring here and think about the uh, new school year coming up. There's something weird about January, you know, we hear that there's so much uh, depression in January, February. Um, after the holidays, right? The holidays are such a huge thing, especially, I think, this is probably uh, first and foremost an American problem or maybe a European problem. I don't know uh, if everything transfers across the drink. But anyway, uh, but for college professors, January is kind of crazy because we have a couple weeks off and we come back uh, and then we have to uh, wrap up the semester. And that means uh, final reports, you know, whatever assignments, uh, tests, finals, right? And, uh, you know, wrapping up attendance and grades and, and all that stuff all comes in January, more or less. So it can be a really busy, busy time. And this year seems like it was one of the busiest. Uh, but part of that is because I have a lot of other things on, on my mind. Uh, just a busy time. Busy time in Japan. January, February, March. Getting ready for the new year coming up. It's also the, uh, you know, taxes are due sometime in March as well. And yeah, it's just, it's just not my favorite time of year. But what I do look forward to now, during this time of the year, is some mountain biking. And I've got on the bike finally this week after having been off almost a month. Uh, it's because of, you know, busy, busy, busyness. And, uh, yeah, I got one ride in and they were doing some work on the road, we could tell. But, you know, it was fine while we were going up there. 
but then the uh, Pat went up yesterday and got shoot off the course uh, because they're doing logging up there and it's, it's apparently you know a little bit dangerous so they don't want mountain bikers up there until after April which is like the prime mountain biking season and what makes mountain biking season mountain biking season is that you know Japan's winter weather is is fairly mild and sunny and dry right uh, there are very few weeds right growing up on the forest floor that make it hard to see the trail there are very few leaves in the trees which also illuminate the trail uh, and no spiders the spiders and the gnats and the bugs and stuff like that really make mountain biking tough in the warmer months. But it looks like our favorite trail is going to be somewhat off limits to us unless we can find another way to do it. Uh, and one way is to go up the same way you come down. That That's a possibility and I'm really interested in trying that soon. I was hoping to get a little bit better in shape before I tried it, but I might just have to go for it. Uh, it's something I wanted to do anyway. I want to see, you know, just how fun it might be to do it that way. That probably means I'll need to get a bell on my bike so I can, uh, you know, be sure and uh, warn riders that are blazing down the trail as I'm going up it slowly, uh, not to not to run into me, which would be um, preferable for uh, me and them. Probably more for them because yeah so yeah that's kind of a bummer <coughs> gotta cut down those logs gotta make those houses and whatever else stuff and all the paper and yeah anyway uh, theologically what's going on with me uh, yeah, a little bit, you know, a little bit here and there, um, <coughs> as usual. <coughs> I'm back to being a little congested in the mornings. Um, where to begin? Of course, uh, you know, a lot of my thoughts come up on Facebook when uh, people post things and then I you know, either agree or disagree or engage or whatever. Um, and there are a lot of, there's a lot of good that happens from that, believe it or not. Um, for example, uh, I, I was on uh, somebody's post and they, they said something, you know, glowing about about Jesus or about the gospel and I can't remember exactly what it was now mostly about how how you know Jesus is about nonviolence and, and, and enemy enemy love right um, and that's something that modern Christians don't understand or just ignore outright um, <clears throat> to a certain extent uh, and at the very least, maybe they're not violent people themselves, but they condone the violent government. They condone the violent acts of our government. <clears throat> Sorry, I probably should sip something here so I don't keep coughing this whole time. 
was hoping it had a little water somewhere, but it does not seem to be the case. So a little coffee check. I've got a blend of three different beans because we didn't have enough beans to make one pot. Mostly light roast. <clears throat> I think there was some Tanzania in there, some uh, Ethiopian uh, sidamo. Uh, there was one more and I can't remember what the third one was. <clears throat> Most likely something South American, so. Uh, yeah, so I, I just agreed with her and, and, you know, probably made some kind of a uh, remark in agreement. And another guy who was trolling her page, <clears throat> he totally didn't get the gist of what I said. <laughs> Uh, and he didn't agree with what she had said and accused us both of of believing that the Bible was absolute truth. So obviously we have somebody here uh, who, at the very least, doesn't believe that the Bible is absolutely true. And if you know me at all, you know that I don't believe that the Bible, in a strict sense, is absolutely true either. I think I think there's a lot of... Uh, there's hyperbole, uh, there are, there's myth, there's, you know, there are a lot of genres in the Bible that would limit its strict historical truthfulness. Um, so I don't, I don't read the Bible that way either. Uh, and then, and then, you know, and then he took a, um, took us to task on the deity of Christ. You know, how could Christ be, um, God? <clears throat> and just, you know, kept digging in and digging in and really didn't care what we had to say. He just wanted to get his points across. And he was very, very well read and and wrote very long posts. He wrote very well. Uh, and he quoted the Bible very often. <clears throat> so he, he was really trying to convince us of something that we uh, already understood <clears throat> excuse me but then he took it a little too far trying to discredit the deity of Christ um, and you know I I've had my eyes open to so many things that I'm really leery of saying anything absolutely so many things that I believed were absolutely true in the past, uh, I no longer believe at all, or I'm really not sure about. <clears throat> uh, one of the things, for example, is the historicity of the Bible. You know, where where does that where does that start and where does that end? I don't know, right? I'm pretty sure that Genesis isn't historically accurate. Although I think it's accurate on a on a mythological level, in that uh, people were preserving um, knowledge through stories that they found pertinent uh, and important, uh, and believed needed to be passed on to other generations, and so they 
compiled these stories in uh, concise, memorable um, oral traditions. And eventually that's what we got as Genesis. Now, is that Genesis and Exodus? Is that is that the whole Pentateuch? Uh, does that include uh, the nation-building phase of Israel? You know, exactly where does that stop? And uh, it's difficult, right? You know, it's difficult. Um, and a lot of that's because of all, all of the things that seem to be hyperbole in the Bible. You know, these exact numbers of people who died in battle. Exactly 1,000, exactly 3,000. Or, uh, or the, the numbers that seem to be so large that they can't be true. Um, for example, Solomon being the, the, the wealthiest wisest right all of these all of these uh, superlative words uh, that are used in the Bible <clears throat> seem to be literary devices right uh, made to try to um, written to try to get a certain kind of feeling into into the readers, right? To get a certain kind of effect from the readers, to, to make a point, which is fine. I, I don't have a problem with hyperbole uh, as long as we see them as literary devices. Um, but to think that Israel was as important as it seems to look in the Bible from the perspective of the biblical writers seems improbable, you know? Seems improbable, but but hey, I, I, that, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't know, right? I don't know where uh, historicity begins and, and uh, myth ends. And I'm not saying myth as in lies. I'm saying myth as in, as in a, a different kind of, of a story, a, a conglomeration, most likely, of many stories. And that's why we have names that seem to reflect the characters of uh, the people in the stories and, and all these kinds of things. So, that would have made them more memorable, right? <clears throat> I'm not saying that was always the case. I think there are people uh, who very much maybe reflect the meaning of their name. Sure, why not? Anyway... What I am pretty sure about is the historicity of the four Gospels. Uh, I'm pretty sure about that, and I'm pretty sure uh, that Jesus lived was an actual man who who lived in uh, a place called Judea, and who ministered, and who died on the Roman cross. And yes, I believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus. I believe he bodily rose. And I believe this speaks to the will of the Creator to reconcile all flesh back to Himself. And the fact that the flesh He made, He said, was good. The physical things He said were good. Um, anyway, so I ended up writing some really, what I thought, good answers. <clears throat> to the, the concerns he had uh, and and in the process of that writing maybe learn some things about my own faith 
uh, and and about the direction I'm going and the things that I believe and it it helps me to clarify uh, and by clarify I mean yes things you do change the way you think about things right it's clarification um, clarification involves removing corruption right uh, removing things if you if you clarif- clarified butter uh, is something has been separated from it right uh, if water is clear it means it's devoid of particles that uh, restrict your view right so clarifying involves the process of taking out unwanted unnecessary untrue unhealthy on whatever uh, so that you can more clearly see and I, I feel like this week uh, I got a little clarity <clears throat> one thing that uh, the, the the writer of the post brought up and and she's a very deep thinker and very intelligent woman I think she she brought up the the idea that uh, you know the, there's a parable of the the leaven uh, <clears throat> not to be mistaken by the leaven of the Pharisees uh, but talking about how, you know, leaven works and is mixed in with the flour and the dough until the entire batch is leavened, right? Or uh, expanded until it, it, it spreads out and affects the entire batch, right? That's how leaven works. And she thought that was a, a wonderful example or a parable um, that might reflect the idea of universalism, the idea that Christ one day will reconcile the entire universe to himself. And I don't think Christ has to clarify the universe. I, I think that's a that's a mistake. I, I think I think everything that, that God made, every physical thing, let's put it that way, every physical thing that God made is good. Uh, from the minerals uh, to the animals uh, to the plants, vegetables, fruits, uh, insects, bacteria, mosquitoes, whatever, right? It seems to me that everything God has made is good um, and whatever corruption has come into the world. Uh, yeah, again, I'm, I'm, I know I'm, I'm, I'm treading on thin ice here, right? Uh, this is a very slippery slope. So, what is Christ doing in reconciliation? Because obviously, some things need to burn off. Because we we talk about God as a refining fire, right? And the idea of the refiner's fire is that. Um, bad things must be exposed and and removed so that the pure can remain uh, and and that somehow that's what happens to us when we meet when we meet God and for me my word for God right now is really Christ um, when we meet Christ, who he is, um, complete goodness, right? 
complete goodness, 100% good. Uh, the good in him will expose the bad in us, right? And it will be painful to let go of the parts of us uh, that we we are used to, that we're comfortable with, yet are not good for us, right? So I suppose there is a, a, a clarification process on some level. I don't know that it's physical. Um, I mean, there's some physical traits I have. I'd love to be clarified, <laughs> to be to be purified, to be burned off. Namely, my spare tire I carry around my midsection. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah. Um, That process, you know, who knows what that is? It's really, it's really beyond us, right? Is it physical? Is it spiritual? Um, is it ideological? Is it all of the above? But yes, I can say, I, I think that's obvious is ideological. I think, I, I think a lot of our bad ideas will immediately burn off when we see and are faced with the love of Christ. When the veil is removed, right? When we're no longer seeing through uh, a glass darkly, um, when we see Christ for who He is, I think uh, a lot of our ideas about Him will just vanish and will be burned off, uh, and the pure will remain, or at least the true will remain. Uh, I, I think that's true. It seems true. It feels true. But are there, you know, are there, is there physical corruption that has entered our bodies because of our disobedience? And I don't mean disobedience as in a slave to a master. Uh, I don't think that's how Christ works. Um, I mean, our, our, really, our inability to walk. Uh, on the narrow path as straight as we might uh, and yeah I I don't I don't feel like really anybody can do it enough to escape any kind of refining like everybody's going to have to go through something everybody has some baggage that they're going to bring in front of Christ uh, and I think judgment Oh, here you go. All right. What some people would say call torture, what some people would call hell, I think will probably happen more in a blink of an eye. Um, and for some of us, we may try to hold on longer. But I think being faced with Christ, I think he judges those parts of us that are untrue, uh, unhealthy, that are selfish, that are, you know, full of envy or pride. Uh, and I think those in the light of Christ will fall to the wayside and we will finally be released. And that is that the world will be judged, the systems of the world. And the systems of the world are those things that are 
keeping us in a kind of hell. And it's well disguised. It's well disguised, for sure. Um, but living by that system and believing in that system and believing that we have to game that system in order to have success in life. And this is, this is what's happening to churches all over the world who are failing uh, to reflect the light of Christ. They believe that to win at church means to play the game of the world. And that includes finances. Uh, that includes uh, dogma, right? That includes being right, right? Being correct and having the best this or the best that. Being the most appealing, right? Being the most marketable. The church believes that to be successful as the church, they must play the world's game of success. And that is its downfall. That is its downfall. In the light of Christ, many things will burn away. And right now, we still see through a glass darkly. We, we, we're trying to ascertain the light of Christ, but there are so many distractions, so many obstructions and obstacles to getting a clear view of Christ. <clears throat> and so you have to be intentional um, and one of the things you can do right away is recognize that God's ways are not our ways the way of the world is not the way of God and so if you are trying to see God by using the the gifts that the world offers or, or the you know the talents that the world values if these are the things that you're using to try to find Christ, to try to see Christ better, you just won't see it or at least you won't see all of them and you will see many imposters and posers instead and you will think that they are him, but they are not The church has got to start accepting success as Jesus accepts success. And that involves, I'm just going to spitball this, but I think that involves surrender. The church has to surrender its will to Christ. It's going to involve a lot of soul-searching, a lot of uh, deconstruction. You know, there are so many Christians that are going through deconstruction, but really the church is going through deconstruction. The church, the Bride of Christ, is going through deconstruction. It's going through a refining. And I think, I, I like to think that it's because there are those of us in the world who are seeing Christ shine a little more brightly and Christ's light is exposing the impurities that are in the body of Christ and this painful process we are in now is a refining and those who are entrenched in in institutional church 
are not going to see it that way. Those who are invested, uh, those those whose lives depend on, whose livelihood depends on church, they're going to be the last to see it. Um, there are people that have dug in their heels and think that their virtue is not leaving the institutional church. But my message to you uh, is that you can't leave the church. You are the church. What you do on Sunday morning is not church. It may be part of it. There may be some great things that you do on a Sunday morning. But that package of being in a certain place, meeting with a certain group of people, ritualistically does not contain the idea of church. Church has a much bigger box. It's bigger than you've ever imagined. And allow the light of Christ to continue to refine, to expose and to burn away the chaff, the impurities, And I don't mean people. I don't mean souls. I don't think that's what we're talking about. I think it starts with ideas. Uh, And it's going to go to practices. Uh, It's certainly going to be the institutions themselves. Uh, there, There is a process that has always been there, but I think has possibly never been so visible as it is today. There's a refining going on, and I think it's it's good. It, you know, it, what it is, is just we're, we're looking at the church in the light of Christ and saying, uh, no, that's not right. Right? That doesn't fit. <clears throat> That needs to go. That needs to burn. Right? And it needs to burn so that we can be saved. Right? We need to be saved from the tyranny the church has been. Right? Part of salvation is being saved for the world and in the world, but being saved from the systems of the world. So that the will of God can be sovereign on earth as it already is in heaven, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hmm. This has been quite a tangent. You know, what's interesting is that I realize there's a lot of chaff, uh, even in my podcast, right? It's, it takes a while for me to get to, to, get to a point um, sometimes. And I realize that, and I, I, I think you guys who uh, have endured through that anyway, who, who have not, um, you know, 
just clicked off after a few minutes because of the uh, background noise or my meandering ways or, you know, whatever. Uh, I do appreciate what you guys have done. Uh, staying with me. And, man, I, I hope I hope you're getting a little bit of the light of Christ in this podcast. And if, it, if you're not, then this is all for nothing. Except that I get to clarify my thoughts. You know, I get to, I get to chew on things and, and really verbalize them. And, and then, you know, once in a while I'll listen to them again and see, you know, what I was thinking then and why I was thinking that. And In fact, there are a lot of podcasts I really should go back and maybe start editing as far as, you know, maybe my theology has changed. And I'm sure it has in the last, I guess it's been six years now. <clears throat> Seven. Oh my goodness, I don't even know. Let's see, 2016, 17, I think I just, I think I'll, yeah, I'm in my seventh year, I believe. And I know I've been thinking about doing something differently and maybe doing some guests and stuff, but uh, I think about those things when my schedule is relatively light, right? Those ideas come into my head. And then, you know, life happens and and I get, you know, things pile up and I just don't have the freedom to do the things that I had the freedom to think. <laughs> right? Timing's not always right. So, you know, for now I'm doing this and, uh, you know, it is what it is. And yeah, I hope you guys get something out of it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut this off. I think... Uh, actually like the place I got to today. It's going to be fun later to try to come up with a title of this. Um, uh, yeah. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye.